This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Lots of changes and interesting developments in the real estate market in the Lower Mainland. And in a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. He'll fill us in on what direction the real estate market seems to be taking. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. The B.C. government announced this past week a cooling-off period aimed at protecting potential home buyers. But the province's real estate Association says it won't make a big difference because the hot market is stabilizing. Finance Minister Selena Robinson says buyers will now have three days starting in January for their due diligence, such as getting a home inspection instead of rushing to buy a place that could later cost them thousands of dollars in repair. She says the plan, which takes effect in January, will give people peace of mind as they make one of the biggest purchases of their lives. However, Trevor Coots from the BC Real Estate Association says consumers would be better served by a five-day pre-offer period to allow them to compare homes while properties could be exposed to a broader market. We'll ask John coming up what he thinks of that. And even though home prices have been going down in many markets, there's new data showing the amount of money you still have to earn every year in order to buy a house, especially in Vancouver. It's still going up. Ratehub.ca says you'll need to earn more than $220,000 a year to buy here in the Lower Mainland or in Greater Vancouver or Greater Toronto for that matter. Ratehub.ca says it used March 2022 and June 2022 real estate data to make the calculations the amount has gone up in just those few months thanks to the jump in interest rates making things even tougher for buyers how much more home buyers in vancouver need to earn $31,000 or 16% more compared with march but those uh, in toronto need to make $15,750 more that's 7% One of the real estate sectors that seems to be slowing down in the first half of this year is luxury home sales. In a report released this past Wednesday, Sotheby's International Realty Canada found for luxury real estate worth more than $4 million in the city, sales dropped 18% year over year when compared with last year's record-setting figures. And Vancouver has voted to move ahead and continue to help four local First Nations win the bid for the 2030 Olympic Winter Games in a 10-2 decision. City Council voted for it, though some critics are concerned about how much it's going to cost. And the fact that the timeline is really tight. They have to submit the bid to the International Olympic Committee by next February. Chiefs and nation members from Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Lilwat nations appeared before the committee meeting saying supporting the Indigenous-led bid is an opportunity to act on government commitments of reconciliation. Uh, Number 91 of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action says, we call upon the officials and host countries of international sporting events such as the Olympics, Pan Am, and Commonwealth Games to make sure the Indigenous people's territorial protocols are respected. 
And there's a new uh, Quiznos restaurant opening in Vancouver, but it's not your typical sandwich shop. It's a prototype store, and if it works here in Vancouver, it will set the tone for the other 500 Quizno locations around the globe. This new Vancouver restaurant on Southeast Marine Drive looks a little different. It comes with a new logo, new corporate colors, and additional kitchen equipment that enables it to have an expanded menu. Uh, For example, new flat-top grills allow the Vancouver Quiznos locations to offer a range of Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Vancouver has been a big part of the Quiznos story. The chain's first international location was opened here in 1996 at West Broadway. And if this new version of Quiznos takes off, all the other ones around the world will uh, start to look like that. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Coming up, we're going to talk real estate with John Carlson of 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com is how you know him. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. CKNW right after this. Welcome back. It is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and it's time to talk real estate, our favorite subject. It's everybody's favorite subject. They love at parties to sit around the kitchen, talk about real estate. And uh, when you do talk about real estate, you want to talk to someone who knows what they are talking about. And I am talking about John Carlson of 2% Realty, but you know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. And you can go to his website at johnnysmartpoint.com and uh, you can see everything that he has going. He's uh, been in the business for many, many years. He sold over a thousand properties around the lower mainland and John Carlson is with us now. Hi, John. How are you? Martin, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Excellent. And, uh, you know, the temperatures are heating up and uh, the market, uh, you know, if you if you read a lot about the market, seems to be cooling down a little bit. But, I mean, you know, how, how has your experience been? Yeah, you know, that's the question that I get all the time now. I mean, with friends and family members and, of course, clients, everybody's kind of, you know, there's a buzz. Hey, what's happening in the market? Because as you may know, for anyone who's been paying attention, I'm sure most listeners here have, the real estate market has kind of changed face since the the days of pure excitement and uh, and, and and craziness. So, um, how's the market? Well, the market is is has returned to a more traditional market. In fact, if we look at some most recent statistics, I'd say in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, we're actually below the 10-year average in terms of the number of sales. So. You know, um, as interest rates take hold at new levels that, you know, we haven't seen in years and uh, consumers start to wonder, you know, one thing I'm hearing a lot, Martin, is buyers say, hey, you know, I I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to buy at the wrong time and I don't want to pay more and, you know, than I need to. So um, we've gone from a market where sellers have, you know, had all the power and control and there were, you know, very high demands for properties and very few listings to now a market where I think, uh, first of all, in order to even be uh, in the game in terms of getting offers, you need to be positioned attractively. And then, uh, you know, the second step is, again, like more like a tradi- traditional market. Sellers, they need to, we need to justify our prices. When I'm a, a listing agent with a sale, I, you know, I need to help my seller. You know, you got to fight for your money, basically. You've got to defend it because buyers are getting more and more opportunistic for good reason. And they recognize that, um, you know, maybe the, the slant of the market is favoring buyers more and more each week. Yeah, and I guess it's important to to define these terms like cooling off because 
we are coming off a very frothy market and uh, it's important to realize that prices are still quite strong. It's just that they're not getting the multiple offers, the way over asking offers and things like that. So do you, do you think that people sometimes need a little bit of uh, perspective on this? Well, yeah, you, you bring up a great point. We're comparing a, a, a cooled off market. I'll make the air quotation marks there with, um, uh, you know, with the cooled off market compared to the all time high market with for a whole bunch of reasons managed to reach territories we've never seen. So again, perspective is very important. But but when you say it's just a, a matter of the market, you know, no longer maybe having multiple offers, um, but prices are still high. You know, yes and no. Uh, multiple offers can still happen. Any property can attract more than one buyer. You can get multiple offers. Um, but as a trend, that's not something you're seeing anymore. And and also, you know, prices are still high. But if you look at, you know, any particular segment, some are a little more active than others, you'll see that there's a fair bit of standing inventory. And of that standing inventory, a number of those listings are going to have recent price reductions. And if you look at maybe how many properties in that segment have sold over the last 30 days, you might be kind of surprised that it might only be one or two compared to 20 active listings. So in those sorts of situations, as I said a couple of weeks ago when I was on the program, real estate pricing is a lagging indicator. Uh, sellers will reluctantly adjust their plans you know, based on results or lack thereof when they're on the market. So when we see markets where listings are sitting for a while and maybe they're not selling, the more motivated sellers are going to adjust their prices or maybe cancel and relist at a better price, these sorts of things, until they get to a point where at least one buyer says, hey, I'm confident, I'm happy, I like this property, I'm going to act now. So, um, you know, just to return to your comment, multiple offers, they can still happen, but they're not they're not the, the norm. And um, in terms of prices, I think Sellers need to be somewhat open-minded and listen, uh, open-minded and listen to what buyers are saying when, when offers come in. So, the dance of the real estate offer has completely changed. It's a different tempo now. It's something I'm quite used to because it's it's a little bit more typical of, you know, my 26-year career that rather than the last few years, what's been going on. So, again, buyer uh, sellers, when you're on the market and offers are coming in, I think sellers need to have an open mind and you have to be prepared to defend your price, defend your value, and you know, and kind of fight for every dollar. Right. And that's why you need a, a pro when it comes to, to real estate. A pro like John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. You can go to his website at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also send him an email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com and uh, give him a call, phone call. He loves getting phone calls, 604-612-0080. And John, I, I just read an article about uh, luxury homes. That is, homes above the $4 million mark are showing a lot of slowing, more than the, the kind of regular run-of-the-mill homes. And uh, I guess is that's probably very normal in a situation like that, that the really high-end, very expensive homes kind of uh, take a bit of a dip. Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons for that. You might look at high-end homes as not necessarily, but usually still having a, a component of financing. And so if you're buying a $4 million plus home, and even if you have 50% down, that's $2 million you're borrowing. And when interest rates are 1.69 or when they're five and a half percent, whatever that might be, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a big difference there in terms of um, you know how far your money goes so that's one reason but I think another reason is 
you know, the, the buyers in that category are very discretionary buyers. They're not people that are buying a new place because they've got their second child and need a third bedroom and it's just kind of a function of their lives. They're, you know, they could buy or not buy. So again, high-end properties saw a lot of rise and they're probably the most vulnerable, generally speaking, to price correction. Right. Johnny Smart Points is our guest on Vancouver Consumer. And John, I, I, I want to get... Uh, Uh, your opinion on this story. It was a big story this past week, the BC government announcing that uh, cooling off period aimed at protecting home buyers. And uh, it it means that people can back out of deals. Uh, Finance Minister Selena Robinson says that buyers will have three days for their due diligence, such as getting a home inspection, instead of rushing to buy a place that could later cost them thousands of dollars in repairs and the real estate community for the most part from what i've read is not all that happy with it um it includes a penalty for the buyer if they back out of the deal but it's only a quarter of a percent so that would mean if it was a million dollar home the penalty would only be $2,500, which doesn't seem like much. So I'm just wondering, what's your take on this? Is, is it seem like something that, that, that will help? Well, um, you know, interestingly, well, first thing we'll mention is um, this is proposed to take effect in January of the coming year. So this isn't something we're dealing with today or this week or this month, but it's something the government has finally come out and, you know, issued their intentions. And when I first, you know, learned of, of this being issued just recently, my first thought was, sarcastically speaking, just in time, you know, because <laughs> I think a lot of these measures were designed to, to protect, you know, they're designed to protect buyers and, and you know, and, and in a red hot market. But, you know, my understanding is now the details are still not entirely clear um, or spelled out in any great, you know, detail, I guess. But um, my understanding is this would, would have to do with unconditional offers. A, a lot of offers I'm seeing now, it's back again, like I said to the to the previous times, where when an offer comes on on a listing, there's probably subject to financing on that offer now and a subject to inspection clause and probably a few other things. And that subject removal period might take a week regardless. So I don't think that in a typical offer like that, this, um, this cooling off period would apply. But if someone were to write an unconditional offer, you could I guess tie up a property with only a, a small you know deposit at risk and uh, then walk away from it a few days later kind of like you've always been able to do with new purchases and new home and new construction you know it looks like that'll be an option for buyers in january but it's not happened yet i i haven't delved too deeply into it just because the details are still a little bit um a little bit sparse but it's it's interesting now that the market has it's really shifted. Like if you're listening out there going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, you know, I've heard this, I've heard that, I've heard conflicting stories. I'll just tell you right now, the market has shifted. Uh, it's not at the all-time high anymore, and it's actually retreating if you look at prices, and that'll probably happen for a little while. The good news is we're still in a fantastic area that's in high demand. Supply is still extremely limited by all kinds of things, including government policy, and, you know, the market does not um, this market is not one that I'm worried about or concerned about having, you know, burst and all that sort of thing. But you got to recognize the formula is different. The circumstances are different. We're not going to get all that panic pricing that we used to. So the key for a seller right now is really getting a good grasp of what's actually going on in the market, positioning accordingly, and then be having the strength and confidence to defend your price when the uh, offers come. Right. So it sounds like this cooling off period is a great solution but a solution for the 2021 market. 
Well, yeah, that it could be. That, that might be one way of looking at it. And uh, I want to be careful not to, to judge it too much before I, you know, give it more thought and, and talk to some other professionals about, you know, some of the ins and outs that may or may not happen. But it seems like, uh, yeah, closing the barn door after the horse is gone. Yeah, the BC Real Estate Association has come out and said that they think consumers would be better served by what they call a five-day pre-offer period to allow them to compare homes while properties could be exposed to a broader market so buyers and sellers don't have to react quickly as offers are made. So it sounds like uh, realtors would be forced to to wait a five-day period or something so that people would all have a chance to look and check out other homes and maybe get it inspected, I guess. Well, this was a proposal. You know, the, the real estate industry um, itself has, you know, I guess little think tanks and lobbying, lobbying groups. And, you know, there, there's good effort made to try to inform because, let's face it, we're the ones with our feet on the ground and we tend to, to know the ins and outs in, of the market and um, in areas that could be improved better than some. Um, so we do have, you know, uh, representation uh, who have made some recommendations. But as far as I could tell, those recommendations maybe were not really all that uh, um, important in terms of this plan. And I think that the provincial government has their own ideas. So um, I, I don't put a whole lot of, um, you know, thought or emphasis on any proposals that are made here and there one way or another. My job is to interpret what's actually happening for people in the market and to help them be efficient in the market, to help them be successful in their transactions. So I I tend to focus on what are the realities of the market. And and the reality of the market right now is that the government has introduced a cooling off period to take effect in January. um, It's something that we'll talk about more on this program as I'm on in the next number of weeks. Um, But it seems like a solution to yesterday's problem. And uh, my focus is on really on how to help people who are thinking of selling in July, August, September, October, November this year, um, time it right, price it right, prepare properly, and then go through the process with the best possible results. And so, you know, that's, that's really where I'm at. Right. And uh, we are talking to John Carlson, uh, Johnny Smartpoint is uh, the name of the game. You go to johnnysmartpoint.com to find out everything uh, that is going on with John. Uh, If you go to johnnysmartpoint.com right now, you'll see some really interesting properties that he has for sale. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you have uh, in store and what you're excited about in this market. If you would like to get a hold of John, uh, give him a call. 604-612-0080. Zero, or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, uh, as I say, we'll, we'll look at a few of the properties that John uh, has uh, uh, on his website, and we'll see what's out there. And we'll, we'll find out more about what's going on with the real estate market in Vancouver. That's all when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we are chatting about real estate with John Carlson, our friend, johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, you can find him at that website address, johnnysmartpoint.com. Find out what's going on with John. He's been in the business a very, very long time, and uh, he sold more than a 1,000 properties around the Lower Mainland. And when markets get a little tricky... 
that's when you want a professional on your side. Uh, when you know when things get a little bit different than they've been, when when uh, you know the the huge over asking prices aren't exactly rolling in, you want to have a professional on your side to to really make the most of what is going to be uh, probably the most. Uh, important investment decision of your life. And it's the thing that, uh, you know, your entire wealth is often built on. But John, let's, let's talk about what's going on. You, you have a, a client you wanted to congratulate. Yes, actually, thanks, Martin. Um, Brian, if you're listening, I want to say congratulations. Uh, you know, we, we just had conditions removed on the sale of his house in Maple Ridge uh, last night. So it's pretty fresh. And, uh, you know, as we were um, talking on the break here, you know, I, I, as I was thinking about Brian, you know, I thought, you know, I, I've worked with Brian's family now. I think this is the third time. Um, and, and I just thought, you know, like a tale of two markets. A few years ago, back when the market was hotter, we had another house. And the, the situation there was, was a multiple offer and maximizing that multiple offer situation and getting, you know, uh, what, what at the time was a fantastic price for the property. And completely different sort of situation to this time. And it kind of plays in where, whereas this time on the market, you know, the market had already changed a little bit. And so Brian and I, who have a great relationship, we, you know, we'd been looking at evaluation numbers for about a month or so prior to him listing. And then finally his plans did solidify. Congratulations on your, your granddaughter as well, Brian. <laughs> um, and plans to move started happening. And that's how life happens, right? Things and family, things change. And hey, it's the time to move. But the market was no longer really at its prime, let's say. So, you know, Brian and I listed it. And we thought, okay, let's list it for all it's worth. We were still a little lower than, uh, you know, we had talked a, a month or so ago. And uh, we agreed that if we weren't getting the right kind of results within a few weeks, we were going to make an adjustment. So long story short, like a lot of listings on the market, we did go through the showings and, you know, um, you know, had maybe a really low offer at first and then nothing for a while. And we thought, you know, time to adjust. So we did adjust the price like a lot of other listings have out there. But we were, you know, pretty much in the game and we had a, a good a good house. So I guess to get to the point, um, you know, what a different situation this time. The eventual buyers ended up submitting, I think, maybe even three offers. But the first one was quite low. And we just said, hey, thank you. But maybe there's a difference of opinion here. And we don't see any point in going any further with this. But if you want to send us a more serious offer, we're, we're still here. We're ready to go. And so after a short time, we did get the offer back. So we kind of had to defend ourselves in that regard. And then when the next offer came, we still weren't jumping for joy, but we managed to negotiate it to a place where we felt pretty comfortable. We got an offer accepted. And and then, of course, as I mentioned a little earlier, a lot of offers nowadays have subject to financing uh, and subject to inspection and that sort of thing. So we had a little bit of a situation where the buyer thought financing might be shaky and can't say too much. But in the, in the end, uh, I guess I don't work for the buyers, but the buyers added another family member to title to, to help the financing. So there's another kind of a little bit of tidbit that's timely in the market. Banks are not as easy to get money out of nowadays. And so, the, you know, the buyers had to get through that and we had to get through the appraisal process. And then there's the inspection and it turned out there was an issue with the roof that nobody knew about. And so there was another little negotiation at the very end there. And long story short here, Martin, is, you know, when I think about this process, I want to thank Brian again for letting me represent him and his family in the past. And, uh, it, you know, as, as I'm just thinking out loud here, just demonstrating that the difference between the two markets were on the one hand, not long ago, sellers were just rubbing their hands together and stoking the fires and 
art, artfully, carefully pushing the situation to the best possible result where now you want to be in there, you want to make sure you're attractive in terms of your pricing so you actually get the offers when they come in. And then once they do, sometimes there's obstacles you have to deal with and work through it. So just having a good relationship with Brian and the fact that I've got experience with him and in the market, generally speaking, we were able to you know, navigate these waters to a successful sale. And there's not as many of them out there right now. So again, I want to congratulate Brian. And that little story was just for the listeners to maybe give a little bit of timely information about the kind of things that sellers run into on the market right now. Congrats, yeah, Brian. that's very fascinating. And congrats, Brian. And the and you said a granddaughter, right? That's good. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's all great. Um, and But so fascinating the way, you know, the things that happen, the things that come up. And it's, I guess, why you need a professional on your side, like John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Um, and I guess a lot of times with you, you've been doing this for so long that something like the idea of putting somebody else on the title to get financing, these little things, um, because you've sold so many properties, uh, things must come up and you go, oh, I remember a few years back I sold a place and blah, blah, blah. So I guess you're always going back to your experience. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because just the other day I thought, gee, it's been a long time since I've had anything to do with a purchase and an assumable mortgage. But, you know, with the way interest rates are going compared to what's been out there lately, I, you know, I, I see that coming back as well. But I guess that might be a, a story for another time. Right now, I do have a couple of good listings um, that uh, that I think are worth mentioning. Do we have a minute for that? Yeah, or? yeah, we do. Oh, wonderful. Okay. I want to start off with, um, now, this one's in Maple Ridge. And if people are familiar with the Kanaka area in Maple Ridge, there's Kanaka Elementary School, pretty popular area, sort of uh, just, just west of 240th Street. But this is a row home. So it's like a townhouse in that it's attached to some other units, but they are party wall agreements. They're not common property. So there are no maintenance fees. You've got your own private yard. You've got a lane in the back with a double detached garage. This particular unit, by the way, if you go to my website, it's 23916 Kanaka Way. We're listed at 998. It's about 1,800 square feet three bedrooms up and one or a games room on the main floor and just fantastic condition. It's built in 2015. So this is, you know, an area where you've got a new house, a two-story plan with a private patio and a garage and everything for under a million dollar price tag. This one is positioned well. It shows well. Go to my website, take a look at it. Um, and then there's another one I want to talk about here because this one I had on the market a, a few weeks ago and we have reduced the price. It's now one million one hundred ninety nine thousand and this is up in westwood plateau uh it's unit number 123 1685 pine tree way um, and this is a townhouse it's about 23 2400 square feet with four bedrooms of three levels a double garage and the thing about this is if you like a yard a very usable and private yard in a townhouse this one's fantastic because the the, the kitchen on the main floor walks directly out to a wooden sun deck and overlooking a super private yard so absolutely beautiful go take a look at it those are really uh, you know the only two listings i've got left now that uh, brian has sold as well and they're both positioned well so go to my website and check those babies out and to anybody else who might be listening thinking of selling 
uh, you can feel free to give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about it as well. Go to johnnysmartpoint.com and click on the listings and you can see those listings. And I know, like you say, the one uh, in Westwood Plateau has the beautiful yard. The uh, Kanaka Way uh, place has uh, a beautiful gourmet kitchen. So I'm, I'm asking you, John Carlson, if you could wave a magic wand when you have a house that you are selling, if you could wave a magic wand and it could have one really amazing sort of show piece feature what would it be would it be a fancy gourmet kitchen would it be uh, some amazing backyard what would be the one thing that you would pick to make that house just so so uh, uh, wanted by people that's an interesting question and you know right away I just default to the to the standard real estate line I'm sure location 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 <laughs> you you cannot beat a good location and you cannot change a location so that that's always you know when I'm looking for my own place to live or whatever I, I, I tend to think about that and I think when I when you're asking me that question I'm already flipping it on my head thinking okay well, well what are buyers looking for when it comes to you know things so buyers want value so uh, you know a position property and price is important but then again, you know, presentation is also, you know, I've seen homes that have good but not fantastic locations and maybe the price is, you know, it's fine, but it's it's nothing that maybe most people would think, wow, what a great deal. But when the presentation is there, uh, you know, it, you know, from, from start to finish, that's also another thing when it's, you pull up to the curb and you go, oh, wow, look at that place. It, show, it looks like these people love their house. And then you go inside and it smells good and the lighting's good and, you know, the condition is just right. And, you know, they're, they're just done up right. That, that would be the other thing because, you know, when, when it comes time to sell, there's two sides to it. You have the upside and all the things you offer, but you also have to look at the downside. What are the limitations? What are what are the things standing in your way in terms of capturing a certain market share? So I don't know. That's a pretty long-winded question, but uh, location's the number one thing. And then I would say value and presentation. Yeah. And that's where the, the realtor comes in, a realtor like John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, if you are looking to sell a home, uh, John is the man to call because uh, he sold more than a thousand properties in the lower mainland. Um, and he's been doing it for more than 25 years. Uh, I don't want to make you feel old, but uh, you talked about presentation and that's, you know, something that you are very experienced in. And I guess people need to go into a home and picture themselves living in that home. Well, they do if I'm talking, I'm talking to the <laughs> seller, but uh, maybe I misunderstood that. But, oh, no. Uh, like if you're, <laughs> if you're selling a home, say you're selling a home, yeah. uh, you want the potential buyer to walk in that house and not see a house where other people are oh, living yes. in it. They, you want them to see themselves living in it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I think of it just as, you know, maximizing what you have. Um, you know, when I was new, there was a real estate salesperson. And I remember he said to me, that's why they shine the apples at Safeway, Johnny. And I remember <laughs> thinking, yeah, you know, like a nice shiny apple that you, that tends to be the one you pick. So um, getting yourself ready. But my, my theory is also this. You're not going to make an apple, an orange or a banana. Like, don't try to be something you're not. Um Right. You know, of course, you want to be everything you can be, but remember kind of what your competition is and what segment you're in. And then from there, I would say, uh, you know, identify what your strengths are, like the townhouse I mentioned. Fantastic yard. That is the ace in the hole with this one. People are going to love it. Now, the rest of it's gorgeous, too, but 
you know, you got to know your strengths and then you lead with your strengths. Because when you lead with your strengths, you attract the right kind of people that are that appreciate, you know, the things. If you've got a fantastic swimming pool in a backyard and you lead with that, you're going to get people who appreciate that. And some people don't want a pool. They don't want the expense, the problem. So those are you're not going to sell to those people. But still, you need to identify the segment you're in. What are your strengths compared to the competition and lead with those and then have as much reinforcing you know, feel goods, if you will, mm-hmm. in terms of good pictures and all that other stuff. Look and good, feel good. Look good, feel good. And the first step is to get a hold of John Carlson at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can give him a call 604-612-0080 or send John an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Two N's in Johnny. Um, John, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Martin. I'll see you again soon. John Carlson. You know him. You love him. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. Coming up on Vancouver Consumer, could you imagine being in a public park or at the beach and sharing a communal cup at the public drinking fountain? Not likely. But uh, that's what life was like in Vancouver at the turn of the century. But something happened to change that on this day in 1909. I've got that story when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. Could you imagine being in a public park or a school and there's a water tap and a communal cup? That's right, a cup that you use and then you leave for the next person. Seems insane, especially now in these COVID days. But back in 1909, they were very popular all over Vancouver and North America for that matter. Well, it was on this day in 1909 when a letter arrived at the Vancouver mayor's office. It was from a Mrs. Benson of 1424 West 4th Avenue. In the letter, Mrs. Benson talks about the dangers of sharing a drinking cup. She tells the mayor to, quote, spend a short time in the park and watch the people who drink out of one or two cups. That's a quote. Uh, she wasn't alone in her co- concern. A lot of healthcare workers were starting to speak out about it. But there was something about this letter that caught the city's imagination when it was reported in the local papers. And it's important to realize that in the early 1900s, the public water fountain that you think of today, the one that shoots water up so you can drink it, wasn't widely available yet. So for the most part, a water fountain was merely a tap, (laughs) which was aimed downwards, and that's why you needed a cup. They would usually feature a single metal cup chained to the thing, and that's what everybody drank out of. The person before you, the creepy guy before you would drink it, and then you would use the cup. Still, it would take two years after this letter in 1909, before a number of provinces would ban the communal drinking cup. That same year, though, 2009, the Hawes Sanitary Drinking Faucet Company would form. Then would come the widespread use of the Kohler Bubbler. That was the world's first upward-facing drinking fountain. Something we take for granted now, but at the time, someone had to invent it. The Bubbler, a water fountain where the water actually comes up, 
so you can just drink it and you don't have to use a stinky metal cup that is chained to the faucet. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And still to come, it's the Consumer News headlines, including a story about a recent rash of scammers bilking the elderly out of thousands of dollars and one that happened last week which had a happy ending, just not for the scammer. That story is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.